0: Another day of baseball, another day of extra bases with Bristol and Booth, Jason Bristol, Jeremy Booth. Don't tell me you're excited because you don't look excited. Are you all right? I,
1: <laughs> man, it's been uh, it's been nonstop, eat, sleep, and drink. Boston yes. right now. You know, I mean Not Red Sox. No, not Red Sox. You know, International Week is coming and I'm dealing with consulates and visas and consulates. Things. Yeah, I mean you got these guys in the country. You got to them approved and and of course, you know, watching the Astros still and looking at, you know, it's 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 just it's the full circle time of year for me. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. So
0: Jer- you, you okay, I guess you kind of look excited. Uh Jeremy again is getting ready for his new Balance Future Stars series International Week, which is the national team against the international squad. You are talking some of the top prospects in the world, Yep, many of whom will be eligible for the next first-year player draft, correct? On the national team, correct. Yeah. And then the other guys are... Are they available to
1: sign now? Some are. Some Some are are available now. Some are available for next uh, international signing period. Ben Badler with Baseball America is coming, Mm. and that's kind of his deal. Yes, he does. He's all into that. um, He's coming. You know, I talked to Carlos Collazo a little bit in text. We'll be speaking on Monday about the players in the event. Um, We have eleven countries involved. We have uh, players flying from Japan, Australia, the Bahamas, Dominican, uh, Puerto Rico, Canada, Panama, Colombia. Mexico, and I feel like I'm missing somebody, but you get the point. <laughs> so I'm excited. We're, we're all excited, actually. Venezuela is represented in this now, now that I think about it, um, which is interesting over there. And, sure. and, of course, the Dominican, if I didn't say that, I'll say it again, Dominican Republic. So um, Who's coming from the Bahamas? Kristen Monroe. Okay. He is a just-turned-15-year-old. He... Okay. He is every bit of a of a plus defender. He can throw. He already runs a 6'5", 60, and it plays. and he, he Position? Shortstop, and he stays right there. You know, so he, the guy down there that works with us, his name is Jaron Sands, and and Jaron is, is first of all, he's a great human being, he's a great guy, and he's had a lot of the the, the top prospects in the Bahamas have gone to him. Um, went to college in the states. I mean, Bahamas and, and, and the U.S. have a great relationship. So went to college over here. Um, went down there, saw his guys, uh, and I got, he has three or four really good prospects. But this kid, while being a year younger than some of the other kids that are going to sign for nine hundred million, million one million two, this kid's better. Really, this kid's better, and and he. Just, what's
0: it, what's his value? Are you? Can you give me a number? What so, he what he probably will fetch on the open market? So
1: I, I mean, with the eye on the fact that I don't have a dog in the fight anymore. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, this is a two million dollar guy. Okay. And and two million dollars on the open market for those of you guys puts him in about you know the sandwich round here in the draft is where probably where he goes maybe the, maybe the back end because the American players are older and more polished. But this kid, I saw him at fourteen. He's fifteen now. Um, I could not stop watching him. It was one of those things where you watch the field, and this is part of scouting too. You kind of watch the field. You know, Tim O'Neill, my first supervisor, said to me, he said, "Let it come to you. Don't force it. Let it come to you." So I went out there. Let the bodies come to you. It's the first thing I always hear, man. Let the bodies come to you. you get out there, and I'm watching these guys in the Bahamas, and um, I'm okay. That guy, I like that guy. Okay, I like that guy, and you start checking boxes mentally and what works and what doesn't, and where they're going to play, and then they start fading. They just start fading and they peel away. And this kid was standing right there. And I was like, man, I like Adari Grant and I like this other this outfielders and I like these guys, but this kid I want. And this kid was invited to Boston.
0: Let the bodies come to you means don't try too hard. Just let the players, you'll see the basically you're saying is guys with this certain it factor, they will eventually reveal themselves over the course of a game, a week a series of baseball games is that what that means yeah
1: it's, yeah partially it's half of what it means the other half is don't try to force it they're going to show up they're going to tell you who they are right let the players reveal themselves is exactly it but it goes deeper than just let the bodies the bodies come to you as a saying and the bodies just meant don't go out there and immediately say that guy's that guy that guy's this that guy's that this guy's here let it let the games let it happen let BP happen. Let them run. Let them move. Watch the athleticism. And then another person with the Brewers who taught me something later on. It was he said, center the player. And centering the player meant let's peel all the way the extra stuff, all what you think he could be, all what you think he his 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 issues are. What is he like? Don't worry about the positive. positive negatives are great. Like mm-hmm. let's let's peel away the layers. Center him. Tell me what this guy is really going to be. And so those those lessons, among many others, but those two lessons were ones that just kind of stayed with me forever. And every time I go to the ballpark, I hear those two in my head. So when I go in the Bahamas, and I'm not seeing, you know, Texas high schools down here gigantic and clean and built up and some of the best in the, and prettiest in the country when it comes to sports facilities, these kids are out there with an infield that's got grass in the middle of the dirt. Right? They got mm-hmm. potholes. They got uneven stuff in the and they're they're not missing it. They're not missing a ground ball. They're not missing a short hop. They're not missing a pitch. They don't care. They're out there working hard. And they're, you know what? They're really happy to be there because they're playing for something. And this kid stood out amongst all of that. And I said, that kid's coming to Boston.
0: You mentioned Milwaukee. Yelich. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. What does what does a front office do in that situation? Just hope for the best when it comes to the guys that you have and hope that somebody Steps up and, and maybe plays out in front of their skis, or what you're typically expecting from that
1: guy? I mean, there's there's no replacing a Kristen Yelich. You know, Adam McAlvey posted something today about Keston Hura that came to the big leagues. And I've known Adam for a little while, and he said something like, um I forget the exact exact tweet was, Keston is Hura when the Brewers need him the most. Like, I was like, Come on. yeah, it was funny, right? Come on, Adam was great. But, um, yeah, you don't replace a Christian Yelich. Like, you just don't. And, you know, if you're the Brewer's front office, you know, there's a lot of wind that just got let out of your sails because there's no way to get anything back that can help you besides somebody from the system like a Hura. And you just can't replace that bat in the lineup, man. You just can't do it. So you got to kind of, you know, go forth with what you got. You're in the wild card chase. It probably separates you further from where the Cubs are and where the team's ahead of you are. And... Um, you try to get into the postseason, but look—that's why they play the games. I mean, will be back next year, and um, man, you know what? A, what he's an, he such an engaging guy. Mm-hmm. He's so fun to watch play, but he's really engaging. and He's really up front. and um, yeah, it's not—it's it, you feel for the cut for the player, but you also feel for the city because the city's invested, right? So you feel for the city. So there's really no way to recover from it, but if there's a way, they'll figure it out. So let me ask
0: you this. Wade Miley has had some disastrous starts. He has not been able to get out of the first inning in his past two, and it has been ugly. He's searching for answers. He's been wondering if he's been tipping his pitches. There's been some questions about maybe he's not 100%. He says he feels right, according to the reporters talking to him after the game. Can you give me an idea of what the Astros are doing right now to try and figure out what's wrong with Wade Miley?
1: Um, what the Astros are doing is they're watching video, which let me preface this and say this part of it everybody would do. Mm-hmm. They'd watch video, they'd use the cameras that they have to break it down. Everybody's going to try that, see exactly that. Is he tipping his pitches? What's his arm speed? You know, one of the things that, that they could be doing could be doing is taking some of that modus technology that we use, putting a sleeve on him because you know he hasn't thrown a lot, right? So let's put that modus sleeve on him and let's see what his arm is doing in his bullpen. Let's see what his arm is doing when he's playing catch. So let's see how it's, it is. it is. If they tested him earlier in the year, let's hope they have. Let's see if that's consistent. You know, I would I would think that Wade Miley, it could be as simple as, as three things. And, you know, he's had a great year mm-hmm. to this point and, and nothing – is taking away from Wade Miley, but we said it. It was said <laughs> at the start of the year that this wasn't a guy to help you win in October. He could, it wasn't a guy to carry you in October. And he could help you yeah. and he could do certain things um, in the right role, but he probably fit better in that type of environment. And, and look, this team is judged on being in October now, right? Um, in the bullpen, or as a swing guy. Okay, he's not a guy to run out there every four days. He's just not in the postseason. In the postseason, and he could be something like fatigue. Could be something like it doesn't have to be hurt to be tired. Just be tired. Could be something like he's just getting mistake prone. There's a lot of sync with his mechanics. Something's going on because these guys are hitting the ball like the catchers are telling them what's coming. You know, and there's not. I made a joke with Daniel on uh, on 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 Twitter. Daniel Guterra, on Twitter about. um uh, Jordan Alvarez, right? Same reminded me of Bull Durham. This guy reminds me of Nucleus and Crash Davis. This is this guy is just getting teed off on. So um you hope what the Astros are doing was the question, is is likely looking at cameras and likely trying to apply it. But if it's happened back to back starts, whatever they did after the first one, if they did anything, didn't work.
0: Well, the Astros, AJ Hinch after the game, his last start, mentioned the A's and their approach. Was phenomenal.
1: Okay. Score was what?
0: Is it a situation where the hitters are adjusting more than Wade Miley is adjusting
1: as the pitcher? Let me answer it this way Hitters in the game, if you make somebody pitch back to the plate, you're going to wear them out. Doesn't matter if it's 98 or 88, you're going to wear them out. Big leap, velocity. And I know we're in a velocity-crazed environment right now. Velocity does not bother big league hitters. It just doesn't. Location bothers big league hitters. Now, location and velocity, well, that's, you know, with with ball protection, you got Verlander and Cole, right? So that's not all that common, okay? But Miley could just be missing his command a little bit or they might have a book on It could be that simple. They got a book on him and they know what he's going to do and if he misses by a couple inches they're waiting him out to pitch back to the strike zone and when he pitches back to the strike zone he gets whacked. It could also be he's throwing too many strikes. Right? You have to really kind of go back and watch each start hitter by hitter by hitter to see what he's doing um, and compare it earlier and the Astros are the only ones at this point going to have that book because they should have been doing this all the whole time. Let's assume they were. Right? Um, But if your approach is to um, contrary to a couple of the Astros hitters that I saw versus some of their good ones, if your approach is to wait guys out and make them pitch to the strike zone, you're going to hit them anyway. You're going to get them, as long as you're short to the ball.
0: Should I go there next, or should I... You know, it's funny. Uh, stats came up with a very interesting, and I don't know if you saw this or not, an interesting tidbit that the Astros, the fact that they scored more than 20 runs in a game and allowed more than 20 runs in a game during a three-game series or a three-game stretch, I should say, span. That hadn't been done since 1894.
1: Did you see that? I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me. It was unique. 1894 (laughs) was
0: the last last time a team had allowed 20 or more runs and scored 20 or more runs during a three-game span of three games. That qualifies as unique, Jason. Yes. In fact, I looked it up even further. Now, the team that did it, Jeremy, I got to admit, I've never heard of this team. I've never heard it was of it. 1894.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was the Brooklyn Bridegrooms. Wasn't that the predecessor to the Dodgers?
0: Well, I looked that up. Now, if you look at the Brooklyn baseball page, the bridegrooms are mentioned because they were the Brooklyn baseball club, but a direct path or connection, I don't know.
1: Brooklyn Bridegrooms. But do you it- know how they got the name bridegrooms? No, this I gotta hear how they get the so name. So I went I took that extra
0: step, Jeremy. You? Yes. No,
1: not the research.
0: Here <laughs> is the reason why. Apparently reporters at the time started calling them bridegrooms because four of the team's star players had gotten married during the off season.
1: That's all it took. That's pretty, that's all it took. It's clever.
0: Think of, think of if we did that today with teams, like that's how we named our teams. Oh, wow. I think it'd be like the Houston video gamers because that's all these guys (laughs) do during the off season is play (laughs) video games.
1: Although after
0: the world series, we had a couple of guys that got married, so they could have been the bridegrooms too, right? Because Verlander, Springer.
1: At least they call them the bridegrooms instead of the brides. Well. That's a little bit unique. Back in 1894. Well, it was after the guys, not the women. I'm just saying, 1894, they had been a little different.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or the Houston spin rates. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. The Houston spin rates. Uh, by the way, today, September 11th, is also the anniversary of Pete Rose setting a new all-time hits mark in 1985.
1: Interesting day. Do you remember...
0: You remember the team who we did it against, whom he did it well, against. Well, he was playing for the Reds. Yeah, but who who were they facing that day? Oh my wait a goodness, minute, wait a Jeremy. minute, I got it in my head. So you were? I was
1: nine. You were nine? I was nine. No, you weren't. That was nineteen seventy six. Okay, I was nine. I was um, uh,
0: I was twelve. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Cardinals? No. Phillies? No.
0: Dodgers? No. Braves? Padres?
1: Okay. That's
0: close. And I'm pretty sure the pitcher was Eric Shaw. Remember him and the first baseman was Steve Garvey. Remember him, yeah,
1: so. yeah. Well, you know what? That's a big day. There's there's actually a, a big sentiment to bring Pete to the Hall of Fame still. Yeah, you know? I have no problems with it. Do well, you? I, you know, I I did for a while, but I don't with the commissioner going to le- to get a piece of gambling. Yeah. Now now I think you you lose your you lose
0: your you, mo- morality you, on yeah this. you lose your yeah. you 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 lose your moral standing on Zero. something right if you're that. going to
1: get a piece of the gambling you can't hold a manager out of the hall of fame who is the all-time hits leader which by the way in today's game looks like one of the most untouchable records we've got Because there's more strikeouts than than hits now, (laughs) and so I don't see anybody getting to 4192 um, with the outside shot of a guy like Trout who got up so early and continues to hit 330 every year. Harper's not going to get there. Um, You know, it's going to be somebody that hits 330, 340 all the time, and Mm -hmm. and and Yelich, you know, and and again, but that's too late, right, in his career possibly to get to 4100 hits.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you're just you're. It's got to be it's got to be guys who come up the age of 19, right? And so Trout was
1: in the big leagues of what 20. Yeah. So, I mean, he'd have a a shot. So, um, interesting. September 11th, you know, seven years ago, um, I was, I saw it today in a memory uh, that popped up on one of our social media sites, but um, I was in watching, I was scouting the Red Sox and Yankees. Really? Yeah. In Fenway. Wow. Seven years ago today. And I remember remember standing and, you know, they had the whole teams on the lines and the salute and Mm -hmm. flags and the God bless America and... (laughs) I remember, th- remember thinking to myself, man, you know, it's, that's a moment I'm never going to, that's that's here forever, you know, because it's just, everybody was honoring that. Um, it was 2012, so it was, you know, 11 years. Sure. But it was, uh, yeah, it was Red Sox and Yankees, and interesting.
0: And you were scouting for the Mariners? Correct, I was following the Yankees. With so, the possibility of making uh, trades or free agent signings, yeah. and we signed Cano. Oh, a year after that. Do you so, remember? Did you file a report? Or? Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I have it somewhere. It was the easy, report. I mean, that's a, that's an easy report. Yeah, right? the guys I had. So the guys I had to scout that game for the Yankees and the Red Sox weren't, weren't very good. Ortiz was still playing. Sure. Um, they had uh, James Loney mm. was still playing. Pedroia was there. Yeah. Um, you know, seven years ago. So just think about the Red Sox back then. It wasn't Jackie Bradley, wasn't Ben Intendi, it wasn't those guys, but they were there. Um, the Yankees, on the other hand, had Derek Cheater. Tough report. Alex Rodriguez, tough report. Do you
0: even file a report on those guys? Because
1: Hall of Famer. Yeah, but I mean, they're not going to be
0: available in a trade. But I guess you'd be available possibly as a...
1: No, they wouldn't be available as a free agent either. you got to write them up just because you saw them. Okay. And and honestly, for me, at that point in my scouting life, I'm like, I know these guys. I'm kind of the same age as they are. Yeah. You know, I'm writing these dudes up. Okay. You know? Like, Jeter was a 1992 draft. He's two years older than me. And A-Rod was a 93 draft. He's one year older than me. So it's not like I don't know those guys as far as the the, the era and the time frame and and crossing Mm -hmm. paths. And so... Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there like, man, I mean, I'm writing up guys that, like, I was across at some point, like, at my age. Like, I'm writing these guys up. And so Jeter's a Hall of Famer, and I got A-Rod, and I had Cano, and we had, I mean, just, it was the Yankees. Yankees are rock stars, what they are. Was That that wasn't your first time at Fenway, was it? It was not my first time at Fenway. It was my first time scouting at Fenway. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, another interesting thing that has come up today Chandler Rome, Houston Chronicle, writing that perhaps the final position spot on a playoff roster would come down to Abraham Toro and Kyle Tucker. You're already shaking your head. You're already shaking your head. Um, personally, I don't. I don't think there's much of a debate there. Could <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why you would. I mean, you've got a guy who clearly can play a lot of positions. He's filled in at third. He can play in the outfield. He can play everywhere. And he's done a pretty decent job. And I just don't understand. I mean, I think it's an easy decision. However, from the Astros' perspective, I'm sure that they want to make it known that everyone is playing for playoff positioning on the roster and that a spot is open. Um, Tucker's done... Much better this time around. We've talked about it on Sports Extra.
1: This is my turn. It's your turn. Okay. Some things need to have conversation, and some things are said for the point of just starting a conversation, and then some things don't need to be said at all. This is one of those things we can just kind of just put in our back pocket and walk away from. Abraham Toro, first of all, he got up here before Tucker did. He's played well. He's helped him out in different times of need. He has a versatility. He's not phased one bit. And I think he's got the trust of the clubhouse already. That kid gets to stay on the roster. It's not Kyle Tucker who got up here only after. By the way, it was despite being a 30-30 guy, it's a pretty big accomplishment, right? Even with 2,100 more home runs in AAA this year than last year, (laughs) hitting 30 is still pretty good. So um, he gets gets up here after that's done and and is on the club this is your guy. Like you don't need to roll forward with Kyle Tucker. There's no bats for Kyle Tucker in a, in a, in a, in a a true playoff situation. You've got Springer, assuming he's healthy. You've got, uh, uh, Brantley. Brantley. I always call this guy, not Milton Milton Bradley. Milton, Southern California, same year. Anyway, um, Milton Brantley. I mean, uh, (laughs) Michael Brantley, you've got, um, uh, You've got Reddick, you've got Marisnyk, and and you don't have any at-bats for this And guy.
0: Miles Straw. Miles Straw who for, who can do that.
1: Because he's got an elite tool. You don't have any at-bats for Tucker right now. You just don't. Now, look, he's filling in when Springer was hurt. He's filling in with to give Reddick some time. He's trying to get some at-bats. And Brantley. To earn, yeah, to earn some spots because these guys have had a long year and they want to be healthy. But... Um, and that's good on AJ's part. Give the kid a chance. They're, they're going to win the West. They're in the playoffs. That's going to happen unless it just goes catastrophically bad in the next 10 days.
0: But people are excited about what he's done. I mean, I think a lot of people are saying, listen, this is the Kyle Tucker that we've been waiting for.
1: Jeremy? They need to be excited because he's got a lot of potential. Okay? Um... It's early, just like the last time he was here was early. You're not looking at numbers this time, you weren't shouldn't be looking at numbers last time. The numbers you should be looking at let me rephrase, let me let me start over. Let me start over. I'm gonna start over with this. This is where your analytics come into play, and not the ones about exit velocity and spin rates and the things that people think are analytics. Let's start talking about pitches per bat, let's start talking about. Uh, video approaches that you can see based on what they're doing. It's left-handers. Let's start talking about hard hit percentage. Let's start talking about batting average and balls in play. Yes. That because that shows a little bit of feel, let's start talking about things in the hitting zone and what is acceleration is like through the strike zone. Oh, wait, I'm old school. My bad, this is where I dropped the I'm old school bomb, right? Let's start looking at stuff like that that makes sense and tell you what this guy's going to do in the big leagues. Let's watch how many pitches, let's watch what his pitch selection is. Let's look at how many times he's swinging at first pitch fastballs. Let's check his mindset in certain parts of the zone. You can ask questions, and believe it or not, you can tell by watching at-bats on video and or live. You don't need to have the kid hit 300. He could be hitting 110 and be making consistent contact for me, hard contact, and I'd go, that guy's got to play. It doesn't matter to me what he hits. Batting average to me is one of the most, of course, useless statistics out there. It's still an indicator that people need to have because it shows hit ability. Hit ability means the ability, that's right, to hit. So it shows the ability to use the whole field and to, to control the strike zone. But there are other measurements besides that that are part of what the hitter can control. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm not talking about true outcomes. To me, that's a waste of time too. What the hitter can control is his approach. He can control his path through the zone. He can control his pitch selection. Those things are within his control. Not whether or not he hits a home run, not whether or not um, it's a strikeout or a walk. That's true outcomes. You could take that and toss it somewhere. Real player evaluation, especially for a guy like Tucker, is about how is it bats are going. And if it's bats aren't going well, guess what? I'm not putting this guy on the roster. How's that?
0: Are his at-bats going well?
1: Well, funny you should ask that question. He's had some ambush at-bats. He's had the ability. Thanks. Good for you. You've got your first home run. You know, that's great. That's a big thing. And you know what, man? You're a big leaguer. You're a big leaguer. And there's only 19,000 of them ever been big leaguers, And you're one of them. And that means you're a really good player. It means you're a really good player. However, I saw a couple of at-bats that show me that Kyle Tucker is not ready to hit postseason pitching. And I said something about it on Twitter and it's nothing about the kid as a human being. It's just where he is today in his development, move his feet inside strike one, get him to hook it or get him to get off the plate to go back out of way. Right? All he's going to do is take, or he's going to hook way foul because he can't get to it and keep it fair. Strike one soft away on the outside part of the plate. Strike two. Why? Because he's now cheating to pull the ball. That's mental, by the way. It's not physical. That's a pre-programmed approach It translates to physical. Old school. Third thing, third thing, you should throw 97 up in the zone. And you can't get to that with an uphill approach. That's where your spin rate matters because it's acceleration and RPMs and through the hitting zone, right? So you can't get there. Once again, I know, I know, it's old school. You can't get to that with that 97 with that uphill swing. If that's the approach, Jason, he's not ready for the postseason. Because it doesn't get easier, it gets tougher. It gets tougher, right? And he's doing that in a game where they it's a free at bat. They're beating the A's 9 million to 6. It's, it's a free at bat, you know? That, to me, shows me you're not ready for the postseason roster. Accelerates to the strike zone, pitches in the at bat, overall approach, forget the batting average, forget the home runs. How are you doing it? That's what you can see in early sample size. So for me, Abraham Toro far ahead of him as far as development mentally and how he's playing the game, and that guy gets a spot.
0: I almost feel like we've just given everybody everything we have tonight.
1: Oh, there's a lot more but we can stop for right now.
0: Man, you know, I uh, I forgot to pull up a scouting report. Darn it! I just gave you one on
1: Tucker. Okay. <laughs> How's that? How's that? Did you scout his brother? I saw him both. Yeah, I had Press in the second round. He was at University of Florida. Um they came into LSU. I was with the Brewers at mm-hmm. the time. They came into LSU. That's yeah, pretty good players on that club. Zanino, I think, was a freshman. We took I say Zanino, Mike Zanino, because we sure. took him in Seattle in 2012. Number two overall? Yeah, but I think Zan- uh, uh three. I think or Zanino three. was was a freshman. Anyway, Preston Tucker was on that club. Um there's a, a guy who went to play wide receiver. Riley um, Cooper. Was he was he the guy on I that club? I think game? so, yeah.
0: Um played in the Cape well, and then was, was drafted. Actually he was uh there's a longer name. Oh,
1: not Riley Cooper? Den Decker? Den Decker? Matt Den Decker. Matt Den Decker. He played a little bit for the Mets. Him. So, okay, so sorry. He, so he was on that team, and then he played in the NFL, didn't he? Den no. Decker? No. He was a football player, though. I have to double-check that. There was that. a guy... And Riley Cooper was the football player. Okay, was he at Florida? Yeah, then played he was, with Tebow. Then he was the guy. So, but I saw them both, and... So what year? This probably would have been 08? This is uh, 11. 11? 10 or 11. That was in 10. Anyway, um... But I saw, you know what? It was Cooper. It was Cooper. I'm okay. certain of it. So, but then Decker was on that team and they had some other players that were on that team. And it was, um, it was a good club. You always had to see University of Florida and they came in and matched up and against in LSU where they had like Gosman and Renato and some guys that were pretty good players, Mikey Montauk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a chance to see Preston Tucker, man. I thought he was short to the ball and had some pull side power. And, you know, I thought he was, he was a big leaguer that hit more than he did, um, truthfully. Uh, you know, you look a little deeper in the analytics, you wouldn't have found anything. He could hit. He was going to swing and miss a little bit, but he was going to, you know, drive the baseball consistently. And that's what he was going to do. He was a senior though that year. And Kyle was, I want to say he was a 15 draft. So Kyle was a freshman in high school, probably around that time.
0: So I have Cooper 2008, 2009 playing at Florida. So I would have seen him in nine. Yeah. There you go. Makes sense. There I it saw is. DJ Peterson. Where? Sugarland Skeeters. Oh,
1: how's that working out?
0: Doing all right. I tried to pull up your scouting report. Matt and I were. Uh...
1: I don't. I didn't see him. Oh, okay, that's one guy I didn't. see. Well, I take that back. The summer before, I saw him with Team USA. Um, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I, he was okay for me. Um, our guy obviously liked him a lot. It was funny because you know our our guy said, you know, I take DJ Peterson over Chris Bryant, and I was like, what? I liked Chris Bryant. Everybody liked Chris Bryant. Halfway through the year. I remember, remember our, guy, our guy saying to, what am I doing here going to San Diego to watch Chris Bryant? I was like, I don't know. We picked 12. He's <laughs> not going to be there. What are you doing?
0: So Zanino was not on 2008 or 2009. Huh.
1: So I saw Zanino in 10. Okay. 10, 11, and 12. Yeah.
0: Jonathan Pickett? Is that his name? P-I-G-O-T-T? Maybe.
1: Maybe. What's his name? Um, um, Florida came to LSU then in... O- no, would have been 09. Yeah, we're 09. Okay. Tucker was the 10 draft or the 9 draft? Oh, goodness. I wrote him up. So I think he was a 9 draft. Yeah. All right. Now we're just kind of. That's a, no. That's okay. I mean, you know, because I saw a lot of stuff out of LSU. We took Jimmy Nelson with the Brewers there. I was the second guy to see him besides the Area Scout. Um, so Tucker, Tucker was drafted
0: the... by the Astros in 12 and then he was drafted in that's... 11.
1: Yeah. So he was drafted in 11. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what it was is I saw I saw Cooper with them in nine gotcha. when they came, and then I saw Tucker with Zanino in eleven, and that makes sense. Yeah. Now it's all coming together, people. It's yes, all sir. coming together. Yes, sir.
0: Um all right. So Jeremy and I are gonna be on a little bit of a hiatus mm-hmm. because Jeremy is going to be in Boston and Jeremy's gonna be all over the place as he get, gets ready for the new bounce future Stars series international week. Next three weeks, yeah. And um so I hate to say the podcast is going dark, but I don't know. Maybe I could do something. Maybe we could do something on over we've the it, phone or with like road. Skype yeah. or something. Doing it from the road, I'm good with that. Be good. All right, everybody. So for Jeremy, I'm Jason. Thanks for listening to Extra Bases, Bristol and Booth.